Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Alright, today we continue our teaching series, Joy Unspeakable. Hallelujah. It's a teaching and a practice on the joy of the Lord. A teaching and a practice on what? You know, I made you emphasize that so that you can realize that we have a scope here. One of the main objectives in this teaching series is to help you realize that there is a clear difference between normal sensual joy and the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is not ecstasy, even though it can be ecstatic. The joy of the Lord is not happiness, even if you are going to be happy in it. It's deeper than that. And if there were two marks or two points that would summarize what the joy of the Lord is to a believer... It will be this. And I want you to jot things down so that you can take things out. (laughs) Jot things down. Okay. Praise the Lord. Number one mark of the joy of the Lord is this. That nothing else in the world commands your affection like Jesus. Nothing else in the world commands your affection like Jesus. I want you to echo that. What is the number one mark of the joy of the Lord? Now, number two, even at the lowest ebb of your life, your joy is still intact. The lowest ebb of your life, your joy is still intact. Just in case you haven't realized already, this type of joy that we're talking about is not only different from the type of joy that the natural and sensual man experiences, but it's impossible to the natural man. What do you mean that God will be my number one affection? You mean more than money? More than happiness? More than silver or gold or riches untold? God? I mean... I'm just going to delight in God. Not really in the stuff that he can give me, but God himself. Praise the name of Jesus. God will be my delight. That beyond the earthly realm, where I have an existence, where money, every currency known to man, will lose value immediately. I will still have enough reason to delight in God. I wouldn't need a healing. I wouldn't need breakthrough. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I wouldn't need promotion at work because there will be no employment, no architecture, stuff like that. I am going to delight in God for eternity and it will not be boring. Praise the Lord. You know, like the angels that have never gotten bored saying, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. You know, so... There's there's literally a new revelation of glory every time they behold him. Praise the name of the Lord. Think about that. That's impossible to the sensual man to say that at the lowest ebb of your life, your joy will still be intact. So when you come to a point where the situation of your life is consistent with that of Job, you still won't curse God. And better than that, your joy will still be intact. Is that even possible? The biblical joy is a miracle. And that's the theme of the service today. Joy is a miracle. The joy of the Lord is a miracle. (laughs) You can only have that joy by the miracle working power of God. Because it's, it's a logical impossibility. Look, look at what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 
We're going to read from verse 16 and verse 18. First Thessalonians. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. One of the shortest yet most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Everybody read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 together. One, two, go. Read it again. You know, someone is having issues memorizing verses. You can start with verses like this. Jesus wept. Rejoice evermore. Good place to start, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Is this even possible? That consistently and perpetually, joy will be my predisposition. Evermore. Just keep rejoicing. That's an instruction in the word of God. That at every point in your life, at every station in your life, you should and must rejoice. And look at what he says next in verse 18. He says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Everybody read verse 18 together. One, two, go. I mean, think about it. You know, even sensual people have natural reasons to be thankful. You know, as a Barcelona fan, the fact that we beat Real Madrid twice in 72 hours, that's something to be thankful about. Yeah. They now went to Champions League and Ajax now beat them again. Like, life doesn't get better than that. Sensually. Praise the Lord. You know, in the United States of America, for instance, there's a, there's a time in the calendar year where they have what they call Thanksgiving and they just gather together and cook this humongous turkey, you know, and just have fun. But that's not the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord says, in everything. Do you know what that means? You no, know, a lot of people are religious about this. They think it means for everything. You might not be thankful for everything. Some people go, okay, a relative died. And they go, Father, I thank you my relative died. Are you the one that killed him? <laughs> no, don't, don't be like that. Even Jesus wept, all right, when Lazarus died. But it means, no matter the situation, I have a perspective. That helps me see the big picture behind everything. And help me, helps me conclude that in all these things, I am still more than a conqueror. Do you understand? And I'm going to explain what that means. I'm going to touch on it a little in this teaching and then expatiate going forward later. But, but I have to have that perspective in everything. Do you know what everything means? It means on good days and bad days. It means when you're broke and when you're rich. It means when you're happy and when you're sad, everything, every time, every moment of your life. If that is how you live, that would be a miracle. That's miraculous in everything. Praise the Lord. Because you see, there's a way you can be so familiar with scriptures, you don't really think about it deeply. Is it really possible to be thankful? in everything is it really possible to be joyful evermore yes it is and that's your life glory to god say that's my life hallelujah you come to a point where <laughs> nothing really moves you nothing can make you lose your mind if you are going to lose your sleep it is so that you can pray do you understand? Yeah. But when I hear stories, you know, about some people. Okay, for instance, I heard about a guy who had event investments and they were shipping the goods that he had purchased. And then the ship sank. The moment he heard it, he lost his mind. I mean, he just went nuts. Became crazy. And now... You know that we believe that there is favor in God and our steps are ordered and that he blesses us. But you don't really have the joy of the Lord until your foundation is stronger than the things that even your faith in God can bring. 
Hallelujah. That your joy is not in things. It's okay to be happy that you have stuff. But for those things to be the object of your satisfaction, that's idolatry. Praise the Lord. Say, in everything, in every situation, in every moment of my life, every season of my life, I'm going to be thankful. He tells you why. He says, because this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. Meaning, this is not something circumstantial. This is not something, you don't look for situations that warrant it naturally. So why should you be thankful? Because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you see, this is different from what the world teaches. Motivational speakers teach on thanksgiving. They teach on joy. This is different. And you're about to realize just how different it is. Turn the Bibles, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Everybody ready together? One, two, go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Think about that. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. Listen. To the natural man, joy happens. To the natural man, love happens. To the natural man, peace happens. But to you, these things are a fruit of your spirit. There's a difference. I told you before, love for a believer is more than an emotion. Joy is more than an emotion. It's a fruit of your spirit. Do you know what fruit of your spirit means? This means the evidence of the indwelling of the spirit. So if you have the spirit of God in you, this will be the evidence, the fruits, the results. That's what that means. So that tells you that joy has nothing to do with anything happening outside you. And everything to do with someone inside you. Think about that. It's either this is true or it's false. The fruit of my spirit is love, joy, peace. So these things are not circumstantial. They're not. Say joy is the fruit of my spirit. As long as I have the Holy Ghost, I'm always joyful. There is joy in the Holy Ghost. There is joy in the Lord. I've got joy in God. I've got joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Think about this. This is so special. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of my Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. Even if naturally when you before you came to christ you were not patient that has changed about you hallelujah anxiety has no place in your life it's the efficacy of the spirit the efficacy of the spirit if the spirit is as powerful as the word of god says he is he will produce joy in you and you have to yield to it yield to the joy of the lord yield It's not even an option. It's an instruction in the word of God. You yield to it. You allow it. Allow the joy of the Lord to thrive in you. Stay away from things and circumstances that don't allow the joy of the Lord to thrive. People who make you unnecessarily competitive. Stay away from them. Hallelujah. Most importantly, because we're coming to a time where if you want to stay away from people who make you competitive, you have to stay in another planet. So, most importantly, you have to learn this and speak it over yourself. The fruits 
of the spirits indwelling in me is love, joy, peace. Glory be to God. So joy doesn't happen to me. It's my nature. Joy doesn't happen to me. It's my nature. Can you say that? One, to go. You see, so uh, if you're getting what I'm saying, I'm trying to help you get the point. My job here is not to help you get hysterical or to walk you up a frenzy. I'm trying to stir up something that you already have in you. Jesus said, anyone who drinks the water that he will give will never thirst. And he was not lying. Hallelujah. So, as a believer, of course, you will have natural goals. But you will always be satisfied. Praise the name of Jesus. Always. 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 So, my relationship with stuff is, they, they help me to be more effective. Do you understand? But they, do, they don't make me satisfied. Have you seen people who base their satisfaction on material things? They never stop. You will never stop. You will never stop. You will never stop. The moment, is, is a rule in economics. The moment you satisfy all your desires, there will be new desires. Praise the Lord. So the only way to truly be happy is to take that power from stuff and put it on something more stable. Put it on Jesus the rock. Choose to be satisfied in him. Choose today. Hallelujah. And can I tell you something? This kind of satisfaction and joy cannot be learned. The, the natural man cannot learn it. He may mimic it. He may pretend to have it. But he cannot have it. The only way to have this joy is by the Holy Ghost. The joy that I'm teaching you about is the influence of the Spirit in the human heart. It's the influence of the Spirit. See, the gospel is not like ice cream. Everybody loves ice cream. Men love ice cream. Women love ice cream. Children love ice cream, except if you were like a demon when she was growing up. Very weird. You know, all those weird behaviors she took from her mom. You know? <laughs> I love you, dear. You know? <laughs> but she, li- she loves it now. Children love ice cream. Adult loves ice cream. People from Europe, America, Africa, everybody. All you have to do with is taste it. But you see, the gospel is different. For you to enjoy the gospel, your taste board has to be changed. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So I'm telling you that the natural man can't have the joy of the Lord. He does not have the engine for it. He doesn't have the software for it. He needs that engine. For you to hear the word of God and delight in it. And think that when I'm coming to church, I should come with the writing material because I'm going to hear something that will bless me. Something I want to remember. To look forward to the teaching of God's word. To move from being the kind of person they have to cajole, to pray. To being the person who is looking forward to the next prayer time. That's a miracle. A natural man does not have the engine for that. It's going to take a miracle. For instance, my job as a preacher is not actually to preach good. Praise the Lord. And that's not an excuse for boring preaching. But listen, my job as a preacher is to preach the truth and anticipate that by the power of the Spirit, the truth will be perceived good to you because the Lord has changed your heart. Do you understand? The Bible talks about the God of this world blinding the hearts of people who don't believe so that they cannot see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So there is... The natural man hearing the best preaching ever, but because of his makeup, he doesn't see it as the glorious message that it is. So I'm helping you understand that when you talk about the joy of the Lord, I'm talking about something internal. 
an internal working of the spirit. And I'm going to show you how that works. Praise the Lord. Let me start from one of the earliest prophecies of salvation in the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Verse 10. This is beautiful. What if I told you this is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible? You just need to understand it. Genesis 49 verse 10. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. It says, Until Shiloh come, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Everybody read Genesis 49 verse 10 together. One to go. Now, well, just in case you just joined this church and you don't know this, I've taught this several times, how that the early apostles, when they were preaching about Jesus, the only Bible they had was what we now call the Old Testament. The scriptures. Genesis to Malachi. And they preached Jesus from it. And that tells you that the scriptures are replete with prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah, who he was going to be, what he was going to do. And so when you read the Bible through that lens, you see what, what theologians call the development of knowledge. The more you read, the more you learn more about the Messiah. And this is one of the most powerful prophecies, at least at the time it was given. He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, and nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And you say, what's Shiloh? I know there was a place that was called Shiloh much later in the Bible, but that place did not exist at this time. So what is Shiloh? Shiloh definitely is not an annual Christian convention. You know why? Because he says, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So Shiloh is not a place. Shiloh is not a program. Shiloh is a person. Are you getting this? What does Shiloh mean? Listen, let me tell you this. Until Jesus was actually born, no prophecy revealed what his name would be. Every other prophecy revealed his reputation. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Did not mean that that's what he'll be called on the earth. Emmanuel means God with us. It was simply a prophecy that the Messiah will be God manifest in the flesh. And so Shiloh is not also his name. It's a revelation about his mission, his ministry in your life. And Shiloh means the man of rest. You see that? The man of rest. The man of the Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath. Hallelujah. That's what Shiloh means. And then, there's a lot to say about this, but I just want to get to the point and how this concerns what what I'm teaching. It says, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, that's not um, a helpful rendition from the Hebrew. I want you to see the English Standard Version. I want you to see what it says. Do you have the ESV there? Put it up, let me see. It says, unto him shall be the obedience of the people. Some other translation says, to him will be the willful allegiance of the people. Now, when a lot of people were anticipating the coming of the Messiah, they, 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 they were not really sure what he would be like. You see, Moses you know, told Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, so Moses was sort of a political leader. And they thought that the Messiah would be like that. You know, maybe like one strong soldier who will lead, you know, the children of Israel to conquer more territory or stuff like that. But the prophecy of the Messiah was that to him will be willful allegiance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, this Messiah and his kingdom will be such that 
something is going to change in the hearts of the people that will make them willingly, willingly give heed to his precepts, give heed to his message, willingly. Ezekiel spoke about that too. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26, he says, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. You see that? That's a re-engineering. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you. I will make you walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's the ministry of Shiloh. Look at what Jeremiah 31, 31 says. Jeremiah 31, 31. Come on, are you learning anything? 31, 33. Glory to God. It says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. Can you listen? You need to understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant were do's and don'ts. Rules and regulations. The New Covenant will be a regulator. Do you understand? Listen, a new principle at work in you. So, now, he says, this is the New Covenant I will give you. And you're expecting, okay, before I said thou shalt not kill, but now. If you even, you know, you expected updated instructions. But what did he say instead? He says, I will put my law, where? In your minds. My principle in your minds. And write it in your heart. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Can you say willful allegiance? It gets better. Look at verse 34. He says, no more shall any man teach his neighbor. And every man his brother saying, know the Lord. Know what we need to cajole you. Willful allegiance. You will hear it. You know, Moses had to command them, instruct them, monitor them. Have you disobeyed the law of God? But it says this time around, hey, yeah, yeah, you're going to receive a new heart. It says no one will have to tell you, and this does not mean you will not be taught the word of God, but no one will have to command you and cajole you and persuade you. Know the Lord. It says, for all shall know the Lord from the least to the greatest. Praise the name of Jesus. So, I said all that to say this. Delight is a very crucial mark of the influence of the Spirit of God. Because that's the prophecy of the Messiah. He will make you willing. There's another prophecy about him. He says, my people shall be willing in the day of his power. He will give them willing hearts. I can go on and on to show you prophecies in this direction. I will make them willing. And so, if as a child of God, you're not willing... You don't really love the word of God. You don't really like prayer. You don't re- even really like the fellowship with the brethren. You're on and off. It's either you've not been taught. And so what we now do is to put the mirror of God's word in front of you and say, this is who you are. Walk like you are. Walk like who you are. Or, God forbid, you're not even born again. Because he says, anyone who drinks of the water that I shall give, He will never thirst. Joy is the litmus test, one of the most powerful litmus tests for salvation and spiritual growth. Do you see that? And I'm talking about joy that is not circumstantial. See, joy that does not make sense to the natural man. I'm going to give you some examples. Let me give you the example of the church at Macedonia. And these are some things... You very scarcely hear in church these days. So sad to say. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. (laughs) This is one of the verses that prove that the wisdom of God is the foolishness of the natural man. 
I mean, this can make you flip. You're like, what are you saying? Second Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, how that in what? The abundance of their what? And their deep what? Is this a game of paradox? <laughs> they had great affliction. In the same breath, they had abundance of joy. Not, listen, not just joy, but abundance of joy and deep poverty. Listen, it's not God's will for any man to be poor. And that's why before he ever made man, he planted the Garden of Eden. So the man was put into a prepared place. That's the will of God. Poverty is the creation of the selfishness of the fallen man. There is enough resource to go around. Hallelujah. But at the same time, we ought to be so stable in our walk with God that with or without it, we still have joy. And so he says, Despite their great affliction <laughs> and their deep, you know, there's a difference between poverty and deep poverty. Some of you thought your father was rich until you visited one friend and just looked around the house and you came to that shocking realization oh my God, daddy is poor. I won't ask you to raise your hand if it happened to you. You, you thought your daddy was Superman, he could buy you anything. Daddy, buy me biscuits. You know, and he was enjoying your ignorance. What would you like me to buy for you when you come first? Sweets. <laughs> when you now see friends. Hmm? When I was in primary one, primary what? I had a friend whose daily pocket money was 500 naira. So... And we used to go to school together. So as he's going, he would say, so, oh, say, sorry, give me a minute. He would buy digestive biscuits. You know the pack? <laughs> he would buy it and then buy some drinks, stuff it, you know. He made me steal one day. <laughs> I'm a changed man now, changed man. Blood bots, sanctified. I was just like, I was just like, why would my mommy give me? Do you understand? And my mom was trying. Just give me cooler, nicely cooked noodles. I really loved the food until I discovered what my friend was doing. <laughs> Is that not how it works? Temptation, I've told you, thrives on curiosity. You want to know what will it be like? So Eve is okay. You like, and then someone says, Has God said you should not eat? You say, ah, God knows. That this and this will happen. The Bible said from that day, her perspective of the fruit changed. She said she saw the fruit as one desirous to make one wise. How can you know by seeing it? She saw the fruit and said, ah, if I eat it, I'll be wise. How can you know? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the thing of temptation. You exaggerate what you're going to get from it because of what someone else said or did. Hallelujah. In this age, contentment will be your biggest asset. I'm, I'm telling you. Contentment. Don't let anyone confuse you. Please, are you listening to what I'm saying? So, the Bible tells us about these people. <laughs> they had deep poverty and abundance of joy. You know, the paradox of it is a lot of people with a lot of money are still not happy. I'm sure you've seen happy, poor people before. Praise the Lord. Until you learn to be happy without money. Having money will be a great danger for you. It will destroy you. 
make it a goal to be happy without it. Make it a goal to what? This is a very crucial teaching in the word of God. This is a very important aspect of spiritual growth. That money has no hold. I've told you, and we're going to teach on this if we have time this month. Money is a spiritual stethoscope. Money. Listen, this is what Jesus said. He says, where a man's treasure is. What did he say? Can I tell you something? We can trace your priorities with your expenditure. We can trace without fail. I will tell you what matters to you. Just give me your expenditure for the last one year. It doesn't matter what you sing in church. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Bring your expenditure. Hallelujah. Because a good number of us have not learned to put our money where our faith is. You see, putting God first in everything is a real concept. It's a biblical teaching. Hallelujah. Abundance of joy, deep poverty. Poverty. The joy of the Lord explained. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us about Joseph, I'm I'm meant to have gone on from here, but I just want to make sure you get the point. Joseph was put on the stand as a slave boy about to be sold. And the Bible said about him, and he was a prosperous man. A slave boy. It's either that's a mistake, or there is another type of prosperity that is not often spoken of. A slave boy on the stand, about to be auctioned out, and the Bible says he was prosperous. He had nothing at the time. When you were about to be unctioned to slavery, even your clothes would be taken so that they would see how healthy you are. <laughs> and then he, even without a cloth on his back, the Bible says he was prosperous. Praise the name of Jesus. Say, that's my life. Glory be to God. Let me give you another example. In Acts chapter 5, the Bible tells us, did I say Acts chapter 5? Give me a second. Glory, glory, glory. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter (laughs) 5, That the disciples were beaten. Look at Acts chapter 5 verse 40. The Bible says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, and beating them. You have to understand the type of beating we are talking about. It's not the type they gave you in your secondary school. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Pa. <laughs> Uncle, please. That's not. We're talking about scourging. Do you understand? This type of beating, some didn't even survive from it. They were beat with metals. This type of beating will always draw blood. It says, and beating them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Everybody read verse 41 as loud as you can want to go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of, for his name. Listen, so how do you move from, <laughs> oh my God, that's painful, to glory? How, how do you make that transition? I have a name for it. It's the joy of the Lord. Think about it. They beat you. Probably some parts of your body, you know, are out of joints, bones broken. And you go, Father, we thank you. Glory, glory. I am more than a conqueror. Through Christ that loves me. How is that possible? 
Because their joy was not external, it was internal. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was something they carried within them. Not anything external. You were beaten and you went away rejoicing. Imagine how shocked those people would have been. Even our secondary school teachers, if they beat you and you do like this, they get angry. <laughs> have you noticed? They say, hey, come, 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 come. Big boy. <laughs> if you went to a school as crazy as mine, you better pretend you are crying. There was this wicked teacher. Hey, my God. I did something. I knew I was in trouble, so I prepared. I cut jeans to short maker. And I wore it. When he flogged me, he had bah. <laughs> he had bo. He said, ah. He was shocked. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So imagine how shocked those guys would have been. Flog them and saw the guys go, Glory! Thank you, Daddy. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. <laughs> Listen. Let me tell you the summary of what I'm saying. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians. You know what it says? It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Everybody read that together, one to go. Listen, if your Christianity has never put you in a position where you'll be perceived foolish before the natural man, something is wrong. Maybe you don't just get it. Nobody has really explained to you. But these guys were perceived foolish. We flogged you, you are rejoicing. I'm, I'm confused. I don't really know what was happening. Or the last verse of Acts chapter 13 that says, and they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You know, so they were just filled with the Holy Ghost and started rejoicing. And you know, imagine someone came in and said, ah, what's happening? What happened? What happened? And I said, oh, we got joy in the Lord. Joy in the Holy Ghost. And they're like, okay. Praise the Lord. See, that's my life. I better finish on time so that you have enough time to practice. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. This verse is competing to be the most abused verse in the entire Bible. It has suffered a lot of torture. Some people use it for exam. Use it for the gym. <laughs> use it for all sorts of things. Hallelujah. But if you take text out of context, it makes you a con. <laughs> ah, I, see, invite your friends, I beg. And they preach. <laughs> Just so you know, it was copied. So <laughs> but really, you know a con man when he always takes the text out of the context. Praise the Lord. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. You know, a popular joke in hermeneutics or in Bible theology it's a joke about a guy. You know, some people, like some of you, when you want to read your Bible, you just take the Bible and say, Father, anywhere I open, you are speaking to me. I hope, I hope you've outgrown that rubbish. I say, this guy just opened. I say, and Judas went and hung himself. I say, no, no. No, Lord, no. You can't possibly be telling me no. So he said, Lord, this time around, I'm going to open he spoke in tongues a little. Open. Go and do likewise. Say, ah, no. No, Lord. Read the context. The Bible is a compendium of many voices. Even some statements the devil made are inside. So strictly speaking, you can't call the Bible the word of God. You read the Bible to know the word of God. There's a difference. 
So you, you have to rightly divide. This is not a teaching on hermeneutics, but you have to realize that when Satan tempted Jesus, he quoted scripture. He said, jump down from the pinnacle of the temple, for it is written. So some people, they go about Bible theology like Satan. They just speak <laughs> without understanding the context. Hallelujah. Don't let me get you. Don't let me get started on examples. But now let's read verse 12. You have to understand what is happening. A missionary named Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. They were partnering with him financially, and for some reason they stopped. And after a while, they started again. And so he says, Well, it's not really a problem. I am thankful that you started again, but it's not, it doesn't make any difference if you start or if you stop. He tells them why. He says, For I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. So do all things means if my faith in Christ puts me in a condition where I am persecuted, I can take it. If my faith in Christ brings plenty, I can take it. I can do all things. He's telling you every responsibility that the Christian faith brings i can take it i can do all things because christ is worth to me more than all things that's what he's saying i've learned to be hungry i've learned to enjoy plenty praise the name of jesus if you don't know this as a pastor you will sin i remember i think i've mentioned it once how i traveled years ago with pastor k we to minister somewhere we lodged in a hotel <laughs> for days you know talk about transportation cost and everything preach miracles plenty you know and everything and then when we're done no one communicated to me you know and you know what you're saying bye 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 you bye bye you <laughs> so i'm going <laughs> no but of course we didn't do that but as we were growing, only one person just came and said, Pastor, you blessed me. I can't even explain how you blessed me. Just take this seat. I said, thank you. I opened it. It was 500 naira. I said, wow, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you go to some places. Because you are not sure where the money is coming from, you can't take the seed. <laughs> I have a friend. <laughs> he went to preach for a pastor who is also a politician. And then the guy, small sermon, small charge, Gave him 10 million. Ah. Told the man, I can't take it. <laughs> so that when they are looking for people, <laughs> they will not come and lift you as they are preaching. Preaching what sermon. EFCC will just carry you. Yeah. I've heard they've carried people like that but as they were preaching. <laughs> just carry the streets. <laughs> Hallelujah! Listen! This is the revelation of the joy of God. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Meaning no situation will change the condition of my heart. Plenty or lack. Hallelujah. Strength or weakness. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. My strength does not come from a good car does not come from the money in my bank account. does not come from... Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, listen, I have my values founded in the word of God. Money does not show me who to honor. Some people will see people who are old enough to be their parents, but because they are drivers, we'll talk to them anyhow. And we'll see people who are young enough to be their children and greet them like this because of money. Praise the Lord. Listen, there's nothing wrong in honoring honorable people. Okay? If you like, don't greet your boss at work and say, because I preach to you. <laughs> You're on your own. Do you understand? But learn to honor people. Don't be ruled by your senses. And when you find yourself in that situation, 
Grow up. Don't be the kind of person, you know, when you have money, you are happy. When you don't have money, you are sad. We can use your behavior to monitor your bank account. Ah, he's broke, he's broke. Because everything will shake. Even your handshake is weak and humble. Well, well, sir. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord. Rejoice always. It says, again, I say rejoice. Now, some of you, naturally speaking, you have a good number of things to be excited about. Some of you are not really having a good time intellectually. But you are going to practice that your joy is in God today. Hallelujah. And you are going to stand to your feet right now. And you are just going to give him praise for the next full minute. And just tell him he is good and his mercies endure forever. And praise him for who he is and who you are in him. And you are going to do that rejoicing. Can I tell you something? Football must not get your loudest shout in life. It must not. It must not get your best behavior. That behavior belongs to God. So are you ready now? Those of you in the gallery, are you ready? I want to hear your voice. Are you ready? So everybody are going to rejoice. Hallelujah. We have an overflow today. Are you ready? Don't worry. We're going to create more space. <laughs> Hallelujah. So rejoice in the Lord right now. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.